Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are discussing the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 45. It is great to be back with you now. Obviously, I took off the month of January for a dry January. I got many of you all requesting, why would I stop drinking? And I think that it is a good practice to always just take stock of yourself. Now, obviously, I don't think there's anything wrong with an occasional glass of bourbon or wine, but it's always good to just remember to focus yourself. And in January, I always try to do that. But it is great to come back here with you all today. We had a number of prayer requests that were sent in, and I want to hold all of them in our hearts today. I don't want to single any of them out just because there were so many, but please make sure you pray for everyone in our community. Uh, It is just a time of need, I think especially coming out of the Christmas season. People just need a bit more prayer. So please hold everyone in our community in your prayers this week. Today I am drinking Iron Smoke Bourbon Whiskey. It is an apple smoked whiskey. It was actually given to me by one of my church members as a Christmas gift, and I have saved it just for today. Now, it is a whiskey that's supposed to be smoked, but I don't really get much smoky flavor from it, but I do get a lot of the apple. It is a nice whiskey. A few people have told me that they thought it was like a a fireball-esque or a flavored whiskey. It's not. It's a normal bourbon. It is quite sippable. I'd highly recommend it. And even though it doesn't really have much hint of smoke, or at least I can't taste it, it does have a nice apple flavor to it. But let's go ahead and we'll start with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for allowing us to learn from your scripture today, for being present with you in this place, and for reminding us what it is to be your disciple. We pray this in your son's holy and great name. Amen. Let's go ahead and we will start with our reading. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 34 through 45. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. When the Pharisees gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared ask him any more questions. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 34 through 45. The first part of this scripture is probably one of the most well-known in the entire Bible. Even non-Christians probably understand at least the second half of this scripture, the great commandment. It is the basis for the golden rule, to treat others the way you'd like to be treated. 
That basic principle was taught in my kindergarten class here at a public school in Kentucky, and it was taught without really any religious aspect to it. And while here in my own location in the United States, I find myself in a very Christian nation, at least culturally, and the golden rule as it is found here is based in Christian teaching. But there are other practices that in some way inform the golden rule in other locations. This is not something unique to Jesus, this aspect of the golden rule. The Jewish faith always understood the golden rule to be part of their foundation, part of their teaching. It's something that's found in the Old Testament, which is what Jesus references when he talks about the law and the prophet. He means that the law and the prophet are what we would call the Hebrew Bible, saying that these two commandments don't come from Jesus, but in fact from the Old Testament. And that makes a lot of sense, because a lot of rabbis in the past, even before Jesus, referenced this golden rule. If you look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 8, it says, You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against your kinfolk. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And in many ways, that passage from Leviticus is echoed here by Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, which I think is important for us to remember, because a lot of people question the laws in the Old Testament. There was a a man I went to college with. He had a Christian background. He grew up in the Christian faith. But in college, he had kind of grown away from it. He used to always joke whenever someone said something that he thought was outdated from a Christian perspective. Uh, He would say, it's in Leviticus. That was his way of kind of dismissing whatever they had said saying that Leviticus was an old book full of old laws and that those laws didn't make sense anymore. And when you read Leviticus, well, sometimes you can see where he was coming from. Because there are some laws in Leviticus that are a bit different than what we might have today. Leviticus has a law against eating meat with blood still on it, as well as wearing clothes of two different types of materials, and even planting seeds of two kinds in one field. Those three laws, and many others in Leviticus, can seem out of place in our modern world. Now, there are still some Orthodox Jewish groups who follow all of those rules. They keep kosher. But most Christians wouldn't consider it wrong to plant a garden with multiple kinds of seeds, or to wear a cotton polyester blended shirt. But just because those laws might seem a bit out of date, that doesn't mean that Leviticus is full of just those kind of laws. There's also rather important laws held in Leviticus. Leviticus tells us that if you sell land to one of your countrymen, do not take advantage of them, but instead buy from them in a fair manner with a set number of years before the debt will be forgiven. It also says, if one of your countrymen becomes poor among you and sells himself to you, do not make him work as a slave. 
He is to be treated as a hired worker or a temporary resident among you. He is to be used for your work until the year of the Jubilee. And again, once more, Leviticus says, Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute, or the land will turn to prostitution and will be filled with wickedness. All of those laws are perfectly valid. You shouldn't treat others poorly. You shouldn't take advantage of people in bad situations. And you should treat your family well. These laws are good. uh, Something that many Christians would probably hold up as righteous. And the majority of laws in Leviticus are based on this truth. Uh, There's a reason why. Jesus says that all of the laws and all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Because all of the laws really speak to that truth. Yes, you can take one random law out of Leviticus and make it seem as if the entire book doesn't make any sense today. But when you see those laws in their context, you can see that they are formed around two basic principles. Loving your neighbor as yourself and loving your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And well, that's never out of date. Jesus knew that society would change in certain ways, and that some of the laws that were found in Leviticus and other places in the Old Testament may not fit well with the societal changes. I mean, if you look at kosher laws, you're not supposed to have a mother's milk alongside the meat of its calf. So they wouldn't want you to eat a cheeseburger today because you'd have dairy on top of your beef. But today, dairy cows and beef cows are completely separate. You wouldn't have a mother's milk on top of its calf. They're different breeds of the same animal. So that law, even though it might have had a purpose, doesn't really fit in our context today. But we can still keep the idea of it, uh, treating nature with respect, even if we're not following every single letter of those laws in the Old Testament. And this is something that was talked about, as I said, in the Jewish faith before Jesus. There's a rabbi who I've talked before about on this podcast, a Jewish scholar before Christ, Rabbi Hillel. And he famously said, What is hateful do not do to your fellow. This is the whole Torah. The rest is explanation. Go and learn. Hillel said the golden rule was the Torah. Jesus is just repeating what he said. And that's important because Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees, scholars of the Jewish law. They knew Rabbi Hillel. They knew what he said. They knew his famous statement about this golden rule. Jesus repeated it for them, showing that he wasn't disregarding the laws of the Old Testament. He was just showing the truth in them, a truth that their own scholars already understood. But then Jesus says something really interesting, and people often gloss over it because they focus on the greatest commandment, and they don't really see what makes what Jesus says next unique, unique specifically to him. Because the Pharisees and the teachers of law already believed in the golden rule. But they didn't really understand the Messiah. 
So instead of answering questions from them, as he had done up to this point in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus decides to ask them a question instead. Whose son is the Messiah? At this point, most Jews saw the Messiah simply as someone who would restore the kingdom of David. They saw him as a king like David. So they answered, just as many Messianic Jews would have back then, that the Messiah would be the son of David. Because they saw him like David. And while that answer is technically correct, Jesus was from the line of David, it was insufficient in truly understanding who the Messiah was. So Jesus used that Old Testament, the the law that they held so precious against them. He referenced Psalm 110, where David said that famous phrase, The Lord said to my Lord. And if the Messiah is the Lord of David, then how can he be his son? The son is not the Lord of his father. Therefore, the Messiah must be something greater than just the son of David. The Messiah must be like God. The fact Jesus uses scripture and law to reinforce it shows that the Pharisees can't do anything to refute what he is saying. His testament is beyond question. The Messiah was not simply the son of David, and the Messiah could not simply be someone who would sit on a throne in Israel. The Messiah must be something more. And this is unique. That psalm had been around for centuries, but yet no one had read it in this way because no one had the spirit like Jesus did. And being the son of God, not simply the son of David, meant that his mission was more than just restoring the kingdom of Israel to earth, but restoring the kingdom of heaven, which is just what Jesus did. Jesus didn't simply come for the people of Israel. Jesus came to show that your neighbor was not just your kinfolk. Your neighbor was a fellow child of God. Your neighbor was everyone. And to love your neighbor as yourself, you must love all of humanity as yourself, loving them in the same way that their God loves them, and you must love your God in the same way as he loves his children as well. Making it so that the Messiah has a central place here in the golden rule, in this greatest commandment. I have to say, it is great to be back with you here. It is wonderful to be recording this podcast once again, to be jumping into the Gospel of Matthew, and I am so excited for next week. We're going to be going through Jesus's seven woes to the teachers of the laws and the Pharisees, where Jesus finally gives these Pharisees and these Sadducees what they have coming. As always, if you have any prayer requests or questions, please email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. And while it's true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.